Good morning. Welcome to Calvary. My name is Emily and I'm the one, one of the ministers on staff here at Calvary. We welcome you if you are visiting with us and we welcome you if you are a longtime member. We are so glad that you are here. If you are visiting with us, there is a visitor's card in the pew in front of you. We encourage you to fill that out and put it in the offering plate towards the end of the service. We would love to get in contact with you and share more information about Calvary's ministries, as well as to visit with you and to get to know you better. We would love that opportunity to further welcome you into this space and into our community life. This morning we come to worship. You will need a worship folder. If you did not receive one when you came in, they are in the back. In this, you will find the order of worship that will guide our service today. As we enter into worship, we recognize that some of our families, our loved ones, and even some in this room today have been affected by Hurricane Harvey. Let's join together in prayer for our brothers and our sisters whose lives have been disrupted by this disaster. God, we come to you in our grief. We pray for all those who suffer this destruction and frustration those who are in fear, those who grieve, those who have been made homeless, and those who are assessing damages and loss. God, we pray that you would be with them. Strengthen them, be close, and be comforting. We pray that your powerful hand would bring protection, recovery, and help. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the God who hears our prayers.
Dear Heavenly Father, 
Thank you that we are gathered here today to worship you. You showed hospitality when you gave your son, Jesus Christ, as payment for our sins. Even though we were your enemies, you welcomed us. Through your incredible sacrifice, we are called friends. Help us, in turn, to open our hearts and homes to those around us. Through Jesus, we are empowered to step out of our comfort zones and make ourselves vulnerable. Open our eyes to the ways we can show hospitality to the stranger, the alien, the newcomer, and the outcast. You have modeled this ministry so beautifully. What an honor it is to follow you in this way. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning. It is good to see you this morning. How are you? Good. good. I have a story for you today. This story is about Abraham. So one day, Abraham was sitting just outside of his tent at the hottest part of the day. Can you imagine the sun beaming down on him? He looked up and saw three men, and he ran out to meet them, and he bowed down to them and invited them to come to his house. He told them that he was there to serve them. He said he would get them water to wash their feet, and he invited them to rest a while, and he promised them food. And Abraham told the men that it would be his honor if they came to his house and let him serve them. So they agreed. And Abraham went into his tent and asked Sarah, his wife, to bake some bread. And they fed the three men. And while they were eating, one of the men told Abraham that Sarah would give birth to a baby in nine months. And Sarah was at the door listening. Can you picture her listening, having her ear right up to the door? And she laughed when she heard this because she was very old and she could not believe that she would give birth to a child. So in this story, Abraham and Sarah welcomed three men. They showed them kindness and hospitality, serving them, washing their feet, and cooking for them. They helped to meet the needs of these travelers. I wonder how we can welcome others like Abraham and Sarah did. What are some ways that you can welcome and show kindness to others? You can help someone who's hurt, help them get up. What about just like Abraham and Sarah, we can feed other people and provide them with food? We can help include someone at school. Maybe there's a new student in our class this year that we can welcome. Mm -hmm. That's a great example. We can invite someone into our home if they need somewhere to stay. That's great. Abraham and Sarah welcomed these three men and then God surprised them. It makes me wonder what ways God might surprise us if we show kindness and hospitality to others. God is so good. Let's go to God in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for the ways that you are so good to us. Give us big imaginations about the ways that we can welcome and show kindness to others. Help us to always remember that you are a good God. In Jesus' name, amen.
glad I'm so contented and my heart is glad joy bells are ringing in my heart I'm singing it's wonderful to Genesis. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the large trees of Mamre. Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent. It was the hottest time of the day. Abraham looked up and saw the men standing nearby. So he quickly left the entrance to his tent to greet them. He bowed low to the ground. He said, My Lord, if you are pleased with me, don't pass me by. Let me get you some water. 
Then all you can wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat to give you strength. Then you can go on your way. I want to do this for you because that you have come to me. All right, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get about 36 pounds of the finest flour, prepare it, and bake some bread. Then he ran over to the herd. He picked out a choice tender calf. He gave it to his servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some butter and milk and the calf that he had prepared. He served them to the three men. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah, they asked him. Over there in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, Surely return to you about this time next year. Your wife Sarah will have a baby. Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old. Sarah was too old to have a baby, so she laughed to herself. She thought, I'm worn out, and my husband is old. Can I really know the joy of having a baby? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Will I really have a baby now that I am old? Is anything too hard for me? I will return to you at the appointed time next year. Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, yes, you laughed. The word of God. <laughs> the word of God. Thanks be to God. Everyone born a place at the table for everyone born clean water and bread a shelterless place a safe place for growing for everyone born a star Divided the 
justice, justice and joy for young and for old, a place at the table, a voice to be heard, a bold in the soul. child in hands that are wrinkled for young and for old a right to belong and God will delight when we are creators of justice and joy compassion and peace yes God Creators of justice, justice and joy. For just and unjust, a place at the table, abuser abused, with me to forgive. Just and unjust, a new way to live. And God will delight when we are creators of justice and joy, compassion and peace. Yes, God will delight when we are creators of justice. Justice and joy For everyone born A place at the table To live without fear And simply to be To work to his God To witness Hospitality has been a very important spiritual discipline for us. 
For many years, we have received hospitality in surprising and generous ways. In different areas of our lives, we have been reminded of God's faithfulness and grace through the hospitality of strangers and neighbors. In different seasons of our lives, we have been encouraged and lifted up by the presence of people who became God's instruments to welcome us and care for us. Growing up in hospital homes help us to appreciate hospitality as a vital part of Christian life. We believe in hospitable communities because we experienced it firsthand through our parents. Our parents provided for our families in a very faithful way. Our homes were very simple but always warm. Their hearts were so full of care that they just couldn't help but pass it on. They often hosted guests for a meal or for a stay. There was always a spare bed or mattress somewhere in the house for guests. In my parents' house, I witnessed, I witnessed it many times their care for individuals within our community through a hot meal and a loving listen ear. They often provided resources for families in financial need. Some of our lasting memories of hospitalities was experienced of, was, were the experiences of cross-cultural sharing that happened when we were in seminary. The Baptist Seminary in Recife gathered students from all over Brazil, from isolated places like the Amazon and the cosmopolitan centers of South Brazil. Since we each came from distinct areas within Brazil, our lifestyles and habits were shockingly different. The accents with which we spoke, our cuisines and seasoning, everything collaborated to create a place of deep variety. Guilherme and I lived inside seminary for the duration of our degrees and share a communal life of laughter, tears, and meals with our peers from all over Brazil. Seminary life taught us the importance of sharing resources. Communal life within seminary meant witnessing financial and emotional struggles and helped us to be aware of allowing our time, resources, and especially our hearts to be stretched towards the needs of those around us. The miracles of hospitality and generosity were always manifest within our community in seminary through sharing groceries, meals, and supplies with our peers. When we served in church-based communities in Brazil, hospitality meant creating a space for those in poverty to enjoy a meal, education, resources, and a caring space for sharing and growing. We have learned that hospitality is a gift shared and also a space created so others can gather and share of themselves. Our life in the U.S. hasn't happened without its share of challenges. When we came to Baylor for graduate school, our new lives in Waco were transformed by the hospitality we received here. Friends and strangers showered us with the resources and care we needed to survive while going to school. This included helping us furnishing our new home, taking care of our spiritual needs, and providing a place for us to stay in times of uncertainty. The cultural shock we experienced when we moved to Waco was certainly eased by the presence of individuals who had a legitimate interest in our lives and our experience. I'm so grateful for the friends we made and the relationships that sustain us through the months and years of adaptation to American life. 
This past summer, Carla and I traveled to Asia for four weeks. And while in India, we interacted with people from all walks of life, and they expressed hospitality in generous ways. The people we met were mainly Hindus and Muslims, and very few were Christians. We learned that one of the most important values of India culture is being welcoming and hospitable. We often heard that for Indians, guests are considered gods, and the best was reserved for hosting guests. One of the sacred texts of Hinduism include hosting guests as an act of worship. Providing generously for guests is an act of reverence and adoration. Hinduism teaches that the whole purpose of earning wealth and maintaining a home is to provide hospitality to guests. The clarity with which they enacted that was so inspiring to us. We are humbled by such great care. Their attention to detail and their generosity were certainly a reminder of our privilege as guests. When we asked about their motivation and spirit of generosity, we were certainly a reminder of the strength of hospitality as a spiritual discipline. Now, gracious God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, if you've ever been to Disney World or Disneyland, you know that the magical world of Disney has a lot to teach us about hospitality. At Disney, every guest is treated as a VIP, but VIP doesn't stand for very important person, as you might think. Instead, it stands for very individualized person. Every guest is welcomed and treated individually. It's the reason Disney offers those free buttons for people to wear in the park saying that it's their birthday, or it's their first time at Disney, or they're just married, or there's even a button that says, I'm celebrating blank, and it allows you to fill in the blank. And it allows park employees, who are called cast members, to respond to people individually in ways that they might not know to do otherwise. And it's just one of the many ways that Disney succeeds in hospitality. You might be surprised to know that the top question asked of cast members at Disney is, what time does the three o'clock parade start? <laughs> it's the top question they get. But they never respond by saying um, the parade starts at three o'clock. <laughs> Instead, because everyone is a VIP, their responses are always individualized. 
And so, for instance, if they are talking to a family with a little girl in a Cinderella costume, they tell the family to stand at a particular street corner so that at 3.12 p.m. they will get the perfect view of Cinderella coming down Main Street in her horse-drawn carriage. Ultimately, through treating everyone as a VIP, Disney trains their cast members to have interactions with guests rather than transactions. So for instance, a transaction happens when someone walks up to the popcorn seller and hands over money for a box of popcorn. But an interaction happens when the popcorn seller engages the guest in a brief conversation about where they're from or what characters they're hoping to meet that day. Interactions are more powerful than transactions because they leave people feeling engaged. So the classic Disney World story about the significance of interactions is the story of a popcorn seller who one day noticed two women standing near the entrance to the park taking photos of each other. And so the cast member asked if they would like her to take their picture together, and they gladly accepted. Well, months later, Disney World received a letter from one of the women who wanted to express her gratitude to that popcorn seller because what the cast member did not know was that the two sisters had been on their last visit to the park because one of them was terminally ill. The photo that the popcorn seller took that day was the last photo of the two sisters together, and it was actually used at her funeral. Sometimes even simple interactions of hospitality can be life-changing, can't they? Well, in today's text, an interaction of radical hospitality takes place between Abraham and the three visitors. Genesis 18 tells us that Abraham is sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day when he looks up and he sees three strangers coming toward him. But notice that when he sees them, he doesn't look at them skeptically and wonder why in the world they're traveling in the heat of the day even though this would have been very strange at the time. And he doesn't act afraid of them or fearful of why these strangers are approaching his tent. Instead, verse 2 says that as soon as he sees them, he runs to them, bows down to the ground, and greets them. Now, there's actually some hidden humor in here, because if you look back to the end of chapter 17, you'll notice that Abraham has just been circumcised. That's what he was just doing a few verses earlier. So some people think that he's actually sitting under the tent in the middle of the day because he is still recovering from that procedure. So the idea of a 99-year-old man recovering from surgery, running to greet visitors in the heat of the day should just totally catch us off guard. Last weekend, a few of us went to the church fair at Baylor to meet some of the incoming freshmen and to share with them about Calvary. And Emmett Drumgoal was with us, and he introduced us to lots of students who live in Penland, where he is the chaplain. Isaac Bradley was also with us, and he introduced us to lots of students he met at line camp over the summer. But it was Leslie Smith who would literally run up to the new freshmen who didn't have anyone to talk to stick out her hand, introduce herself, and enthusiastically tell them all about Calvary. Sometimes hospitality takes a little bit of running, and Leslie modeled that for us last week. 
Something else that should pique our attention in this text is that what Abraham says he will do for the guest is not what he actually ends up doing for them. Notice what he says to them is, let me bring you a little water and wash your feet and let me bring you a little bread to eat and then you can be on your journey. And that in itself is a nice gesture of hospitality, but it doesn't sound like a very big deal. But what Abraham turns around and does is significantly different. He rushes back to the tent to Sarah and says, quick, get our nicest flour, knead it, and make some cakes. And then he runs out to the herds and he says, he takes one of his best calves and gives it to his servant to prepare. And then he takes curds and milk and the calf and sets all of this food up in front of the visitors to eat. This is not the bread and water that he said he would bring them. This, this is an extravagant feast. Sarah Koenig, who's the professor of biblical studies at Seattle Pacific University, says this, this could be explained away under a rubric of humility. And maybe Abraham didn't want to be arrogant about his ability to provide for these guests. Or perhaps Abraham wanted to pleasantly surprise his visitors by not getting their expectations up. One ancient rabbi explained that the story illustrates how those who are righteous speak little but do a lot. Now, of course, Abraham may have thought he was going to surprise these three visitors with a lavish meal, but little did he know the surprise was on him. Suddenly, in verse 9, the visitors ask about Abraham's wife and say that in due time, Sarah will have a baby. Well, at this point, Abraham and Sarah are almost 100 years old. They have totally given up on the idea of having a child. It's just not possible anymore. And Sarah, who happens to be listening intently from the tent entrance, begins to laugh at the absurdity of the whole situation. I mean, these three visitors show up unannounced in the middle of the day. Abraham and Sarah pull out all the stops to prepare a really nice meal for them. And then they announce something that is just completely bizarre, as if it were a reality. I can imagine that if Sarah were posting this story on Instagram or Facebook, she might take a selfie with the three visitors in the background, and she's laughing or even rolling her eyes. And the caption would be R-O-F-L, which means rolling on the floor laughing. Sarah doesn't know what to do with what's going on. But the Lord says to Abraham, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? And the Hebrew verb used here for wonderful actually has a range of meanings. It could mean difficult or wondrous or even, even extraordinary. And so we could read this text to mean that the Lord promises to do something completely extraordinary here. Something so absurdly out of the ordinary that it causes Sarah to roll on the floor and laugh. You you see, when we engage in hospitality, surprises are all around us. Because hospitality invites us to open ourselves up to the God who is all around us. And is anything too extraordinary for God? When Sarah and Abraham opened themselves up to these three guests, what resulted was something that they never would have expected. Because sometimes, even simple interactions of hospitality can be completely life-changing, can't they? 
One person who epitomized hospitality and neighborliness was Fred Rogers. Now, Mr. Rogers was actually an ordained Presbyterian minister who used puppets instead of a pulpit in his show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now, just for kicks, how many of us in here grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Mr. Rogers touched so many lives. Some people have said that if Protestants had saints, Mr. Rogers might have already been canonized. Well, earlier this year, Anthony Brenzikin, who is a senior writer for Entertainment Weekly, went to Twitter about a story of why Mr. Rogers had been so important to him. Brenzikin's Twitter thread quickly went viral, and I would love to share part of it with you today. Now, keep in mind that this story is actually a series of tweets, and each tweet is less than 140 characters, which makes for a pretty creative way to tell a story. And so he writes, or I could say he tweets, the following. Fred Rogers was from Pittsburgh, my hometown, and my generation grew up loving this man who taught us to be kind above all. Fred Rogers was the real thing, that gentle soul, it was no act. As I got older, I lost touch with the show, but one day in college, I rediscovered it. I was having a hard time, the future seemed dark, I was struggling lonely, dealing with a lot of broken pieces and just not adjusting well. I went to the University of Pittsburgh and devoted everything I had to the school paper, hoping that would propel me into some kind of worthwhile future. It was easy to feel hopeless. One span was especially bad. Walking out of the dorm one night, I heard familiar music. Won't you be my neighbor? The TV was playing in an empty room. Mr. Rogers was there on the screen, asking me what I do with the mad I feel. I had lots to spare, still do. It feels silly to say, it felt very silly then, but I stood there mesmerized. His show felt like a cool hand on a hot head, and I left feeling better. Days later, I get in the elevator at the paper to ride down to the lobby. The doors open. Mr. Rogers is standing there, for real. I can't believe it. I get in and he nods at me. I do back. I think he could sense a geek out coming, but, but I try to keep it together. Almost. <laughs> the doors open, he lets me go out first. I go, but turn around. Mr. Rogers, I don't mean to bother you, but I just wanted to say thanks. He smiles, but this thing has to happen to him like every 10 feet. And he says, did you grow up as one of my neighbors? I felt like crying. Yes, I was. <laughs> Opens his arms, lifting his satchel for a hug. It's good to see you again, neighbor. I got to hug Mr. Rogers, y'all. As he went out the door, I said in kind of a rambling rush that I had stumbled on the show again recently when I really needed it. So I just said, thanks for that. Mr. Rogers nodded, he paused, undid his scarf, he motioned to the window and sat down on the ledge. This is what set Mr. Rogers apart. No one else would have done this. He says, do you wanna tell me about what was upsetting you? So I sat. I told him my grandfather had just died. 
He was one of the few good things I had left. I felt adrift, brokenhearted. I like to think that I didn't go on and on, but I'm pretty sure that I did. Pretty soon, Mr. Rogers was telling me about his grandfather and a boat the old man had bought for him as a kid. He still wished the old man was here, wished he still had the boat. You never stop missing the people you love, Mr. Rogers said. I'm sure my eyes looked like stewed tomatoes. Finally, I said thank you again for about the 13th time and apologized if I had made him late for an appointment. Sometimes you're right where you need to be, he said. When Mr. Rogers died in 2003, I sat at my computer with tears in my eyes, but I wasn't crying over the loss of a celebrity. I was crying over the loss of a neighbor. What happened between these two strangers who became neighbors on that elevator that day wasn't simply a transaction, was it? It was an interaction that caught Anthony Resnickin completely by surprise, and it stayed with him for the rest of his life. Because sometimes, even simple interactions of hospitality can be completely life-changing. Of course, what we know is that Fred Rogers, as wonderful as he was, didn't invent this idea. Neither did Walt Disney. If anyone were the master of interactions of hospitality and treating each and every person as a VIP, it would have been Jesus. Just think about it. The woman at the well, the man with leprosy, Zacchaeus, the little children, the two men on the road to Emmaus, and pretty much every other story ever told about Jesus involves a transformative interaction. Jesus always left people feeling completely changed by their experience with him. But I can't help but wonder if, if Disney has lived out the interaction model of Jesus much better than the church has. Perhaps that's why Disney has started offering conferences for churches on how to do hospitality better. But the truth is that you and I are part of a kingdom that is far greater than the magic kingdom could ever be. And when you and I act with, with genuine hospitality, it's not to promote our business or increase sales or customer satisfaction. We're not selling popcorn or Mickey Mouse ears or your favorite Disney snack or souvenir. In fact, we're not selling anything at all. Instead, living with hospitality is simply about living with what has already been given to us. It's about showing people the love that has already been shown to us through Christ. And living with hospitality is simply what you and I are called to do, to bring about God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. With the devastation of Hurricane Harvey, just miles south of us, and all that is creating for friends, family members, neighbors, and even those of us in this room, I am mindful that there will be many opportunities for us to extend hospitality in the days ahead, to give, to donate, to help, to welcome, to extend the love of Christ in any ways that we can. Former Calvary members Kristen and Nathan Mahan live in Houston now. 
and what they said this weekend on Facebook are words that, that I hope you and I can live out by God's grace in the days ahead. They said, church, let's get ready to be the church. And so, Lord, I ask that you would catch us off guard today. Surprise us with, with some moment of beauty or pain, so that at least for the moment we may be startled into seeing that you are always here in all your splendor, always and everywhere, barely hidden beneath and beyond within this life we breathe. May we be people who extend your hospitality. May we be people who love, who serve, who welcome, who take risks, and who wholeheartedly invite people into this life that we live, into this kingdom that you have called us to be a part of. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. We extend hospitality only because of the radical hospitality that has already been shown to us through Christ. That, that even when we were strangers, even when we were a long way off from where we needed to be, God graciously opened up his arms to us and welcomed us home. And if you're here today wanting to respond to what Jesus has done for you and for all of us, we would love to visit with you in the back of the sanctuary. Or maybe you want to respond today by making Calvary your community of faith. We would love to welcome you into our church family today. Or maybe you're here struggling to trust God in another area of your life. Maybe it's hard to believe that nothing is too extraordinary for God today. We would love to visit with you and to pray with you. So however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back ready to greet you as we continue in worship. Church with soul and spirit, come to the church of flesh and bone. We need no tower rising skyward, no house of wood or glass of stone. Come build the church with human building, come build the church of flesh and blood. Jesus shall be its your foundation, it shall be built by the Oh, God. 
and loving Lord, you are worthy of any praise we could offer, for you are our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Forgive us our sin, Father, even as you require us to forgive others. You call us to be your servants, to be the hands and feet and face of Jesus to each person we meet, to yield our own arrogance and pride to your calling, to refrain from laughing in derision when we hear your promises, promises so far above our own imagination or ability. Implant in us the heart and hospitality of Jesus, who built a fire and made breakfast for weary fishermen. Give us generosity like his, who provided fish in abundance for them. Let our hearts and our offering plates overflow with our love for you. And may your kingdom be known on earth through Jesus our Lord. Amen.
Calvary, I would like to introduce you to Ruth Fisher. She comes today to join Calvary with prior believers' baptism. She recently moved into the neighborhood and has been visiting with us for the last few weeks. She has a daughter named Samantha, and one thing that she enjoys is taking walks. I'm also excited to introduce you to Mark and Jen Bondaruk. Mark is a student at Truett and is studying sports ministry, and Jen is an ER nurse in Temple. Um, Mark thought we wanted to know that his family is very Russian, not just a little Russian. Um, 
and his parents were actually re religious refugees from the Soviet Union, and so that's a big part of his story as well. Um, Mark is passionate about sports, faith, and family, and Jen talked about being passionate about health and justice and equality in those systems. And so we are excited to journey with you all, all of you, and to get to know you better in the days ahead. And Calvary, we have something that we would like to say to you all. In response to your decision... So I'm going to invite you all to have a seat for a moment, and then during the benediction, if you all would go out with me. I know Calvary would love to greet you on their way out. I'd like to ask Sarah Steele to come and join me at the front. Some of you may know that today is uh, Sarah's last day with us as our uh, church pianist. Sarah has been with us uh, two years now as our pianist and has added so much to our worship each week, uh, both in terms of her immense skill and her uh, wonderful uh, spirit and the way that she serves among us in profound ways. Sarah, it has been a joy to work with you, and we will miss you very much. And we want to offer a small gift to Sarah in gratitude for her service among us. We will remember you with great fondness. Thank you. Sarah, I hope maybe, I guess you're going back up there to play, but maybe when you're done, if you could come out to the Welcome Center too. I know people are going to want to greet you after the service as well. As a reminder, as you leave today, look for the big balloon in the Welcome Center, and Jennifer Lowe will be out there and would love to talk to you about mentoring students at West Avenue. I know Principal Alexander was here last week, and that is one of his top priorities for the year at West Avenue, and we are looking forward to partnering with them in that way in the days ahead. Um, also, we are very excited to see many of you tonight at our ministry conference, and we're changing things up a little bit this year. We are having it at the Dewey Park Rec Center, which is right across from the villages at 6 o'clock. Um, the church will be open starting at 5.30 p.m. If you have children, um, grades kindergarten and under, you're welcome to bring them here for child care. And then children and youth and all adults are welcome to join us at Dewey Park. We'll have an ice cream social. Um, the church is providing ice cream, but we ask that you bring your favorite topping. Um, activities for kids and youth. We are being mindful of the weather, um, but there will be something going on for all ages. And so we just hope that you'll join us for this time of worship and fellowship and making decisions and voting and talking about the upcoming year at Calvary. Well, please stand and join me for this benediction. Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment, and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you. May Christ's mercy astound you. And may the Spirit abound in you so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with you always. Amen.